everyone, and welcome to another edition of the V-Auto podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V-Auto, and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm especially excited for this episode because it arrives at the end of 2021, which has been a remarkable year for dealers, especially in used vehicles. You could make the case that almost every aspect of what it means to run a successful used vehicle department in a dealership, from appraising and acquiring cars to pricing cars and working deals with customers, got turned on its head in some way, shape, or form in the past year. So for today's episode, I thought it would be informative and useful to have V-Auto founder and Cox Automotive Executive Vice President Dale Pollack share what he regards as his top takeaways for dealers in 2021 and talk a little bit about how they'll remain relevant in the year ahead. Dale has a list of five takeaways that we'll talk about today. Dale, happy holidays and welcome to the episode. Thanks, Lance. Good to be with you as always. Indeed, indeed. Now, Dale, let's go to your first takeaway for the past year. Sell more cars with less inventory. Tell us why you consider this an important takeaway and why it might be relevant for the year ahead. It's been a long-standing position of mine that dealers stock too many vehicles. Mm -hmm. And in a normal depreciating market, and of course, this past year has been anything but a normal depreciating market, but Suffice it to say, in a depreciating market, when you stock more cars than you sell in a 30-day period, uh, those vehicles that you had in stock that you didn't sell ultimately run out of net profit contribution potential. Mm -hmm. So for a very long time, I've been saying to dealers that they should stock no more cars than they sell in a rolling 30-day period. And for the most part, dealers who push back on it say, well, I need to stock more cars to sell more cars. And if the last year has taught us anything, it's taught us that you don't need to stock more cars in order mm. to sell more cars. You just have to stock an appropriate amount of cars. And that typically is about a 30 day supply. So the last year has demonstrated that we can sell more cars than we even stock uh, in, in any 30 day period. And in doing so, the vehicles that you do sell will generate greater gross profits and ultimately greater net profits. So I think one of the most important lessons that we've all learned in the past year or so of the pandemic is that it's a fallacy that you have to stock more cars in order to sell more cars. And as a corollary to that, the record setting profitability we've seen for dealers in used cars in particularly uh, owes in some way to that more efficient inventory amount. Is that right? Clearly. I mean, it's fair to say or to assume that every dealer made record or if not near record profits in used cars last year. But it's also clear to say that the dealers who did even better made the best percentage returns, the highest net and gross profits are the ones that controlled the size of their inventory in spite of the temptation to overstock. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a nice segue into the second takeaway, Dale, which is diversify your inventory sourcing channels. And I'm curious is what's struck you as most significant about the way dealers acquired used cars in 2021? Historically, dealers have looked to two primary channels or sources to acquire their used vehicle inventory. First and foremost, trade-ins. 
and secondarily auction purchases. Mm -hmm. And while those are two still very important channels, every dealer over the past year plus has come to understand that they're just simply not enough. So yeah. dealers have learned how to source cars from alternative channels, which will include uh, venues such as their service drive, uh, upstream lease returns, and purchases uh, from consumers off of the streets using uh, tools like Kelly, Instant Cash Offer, and others. So mm -hmm. while these might have been ancillary or, or distant uh, sources for dealers in the past, I believe it's fair to say that uh, dealers have found uh, that these become essential. And I think we have a long way to go as an industry to learn best practices and benchmarks for success. Because of course, we can only manage what we can measure. So measuring uh, success and performance of vehicles sourced by alternative channels is something that I'm very keenly focused on. Hmm, interesting. Now, your third takeaway, I think, ties into what we just what you just mentioned there, Dale, and that is that dealers should adopt an active online enabled appraisal process that spans all of the sourcing channels you just talked about. So what, what's your guidance and, and perspective on this takeaway? Yeah, I have a number of uh, number of perspectives. To be sure, the wholesale market has become very efficient as the new car or is is the used car retail market has done. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by efficient is I think there's less gap between what a wholesale seller and a wholesale buyer knows about the value of the vehicle, and and, and consequently the process of appraising the car really needs to change in a, in a couple of different ways. First of all, um, there is ever more competition to acquire a car in the wholesale market. And, and not only are there more competitors, but the competitors are smarter than ever. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the emerging uh, trends from the past year or so is the digitization of the appraisal process. And, and interestingly, the digitization of the appraisal process has brought the consumer forefront to the process because it's mm -hmm. the consumer now that typically has to engage with the digital appraisal solutions by entering information about their vehicle for the valuation process. Mm -hmm. And getting the customer or, or the consumer involved in the appraisal process really goes a long way to helping the dealer win the vehicle. The consumer feels like they're part of the process. The number that ultimately arrives uh, for their vehicle isn't coming strictly from a black box. The consumer has had a role in, in producing that number. So bringing the consumer into the process has been a really positive outcome of the past year as a lot of appraisal processes from Carvana and CarMax and the likes of those new form retailers really has brought the consumer to the front of the process and it's gone a long way to helping them and others win vehicles. So dealers that kind of take a page from what the digital retailers and the expectations they've created, those are the dealers that'll find the greatest success. Clearly. And, and another interesting outcome of this ever more efficient wholesale market is there's less room for error. 
And one of the greatest opportunities for error in appraising a vehicle is the physical inspection process. So mm -hmm. another learning um, from, from the past year really has come down to the importance of getting an accurate assessment of the condition of the vehicle and applying accurate financial estimates uh, to those items that, that need repair. So um, the inspection process, I would say, is, is very key and, and consistent with my remarks a few moments ago. I think bringing the consumer into the process in terms of them representing the condition of the vehicle or participating in the assessment of the physical condition of the vehicle is very, very instrumental in, in winning the vehicle and winning it for the right money. Now, th that makes me think about uh, reconditioning estimates, Dale. And, and I know for the last decade plus, it's been fairly common for dealers to kind of ballpark what what a what it's going to take to get the car through reconditioning and and bring that ballpark number into the appraisal and the ultimately the offer for consumers. To what degree are we seeing dealers sharpen their pencils here? Is that is that kind of what you're saying? And maybe they understand with a fuller understanding of the condition. The next step is to absolutely tie that condition to real life estimates. Is that right? Right, right. I mean, there's simply less room for error. It used to be that getting a ballpark reconditioning estimate was good enough. Just getting in the ballpark was good enough because there was enough leeway in terms of what we could ask for the vehicle and get for the vehicle that we could afford to, to be good enough. Uh, I don't think good enough is, is, is any longer sufficient. When the market knows as well as it knows, <clears throat> both at the wholesale and retail level, um, what a vehicle is worth, getting or nailing the, the proper reconditioning estimate becomes essential. There's just simply no room for error here. So dealers have learned and they're in the process and will need to continue to step up their game in, in terms mm -hmm. of, of proper inspection and applying proper financial estimates uh, to those items that in need of repair. The fourth takeaway, Dale, relates to pricing used vehicles. And what you're saying here is price based on a vehicle's investment value. Um, tell me and uh, us a little bit more about what you mean by that. Right. Well, well, first, before we get to that, okay. let's let's recognize that the market over the past year and a half has been very, very unusual um, and, and, and fairly radical in terms of, of vehicle appreciation and, 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 and not consistent across all segments. Mm -hmm. so, so consequently, it's, it's fair to say that both in the wholesale and the retail environment, there's been a lot of uncertainty about what a given car is worth at any given moment. And as a result, I think dealers have had fairly good success in executing what we might refer to as the explore and exploit strategy of pricing, meaning that they could shoot any number out there um, and, and, you know, could be a really high, ridiculous number, but likely there'd be somebody who perhaps didn't know better or wasn't properly informed that would buy it. And uh, they explored that opportunity and, and very often exploited it by, by getting that money. So I, I think we have to acknowledge that, that that explore and exploit 
strategy over the past year and a half has worked fairly well. Mm -hmm. That's that said, that said, what we know is that there are some dealers that have achieved even better outcomes for used vehicle profits that that have done something other than the explore and exploit. And what I'm referring to are those dealers that have priced vehicles as investments. And what we've learned over the past several years is that every vehicle should have an absolute time limit for which we're willing to have it stand a lot. But mm -hmm. what we now know with data and what we now no longer believe is that every vehicle deserves the same amount of time on the lot. Some vehicles uh, deserve a lot less time than other vehicles. Today, we know that certain vehicles based on their characteristics and conditions, actually, if we're willing to be a little bit more patient, we'll bring a lot more gross if we ask for it. And, mm. and, and those sort of investments we, we characterize today as platinum or gold vehicles. On the other hand, there are some vehicles that we characterize as silver or bronze vehicles that we know time absolutely works against them in a big time way. And consequently, those vehicles as investments need to be turned very quickly. So we have to acknowledge that just about any strategy has produced good results, including the explorer and exploit. But what we know empirically is that those dealers who have applied investment-minded pricing to vehicles have achieved even better profit outcomes. Now, you made a point there, Dale, about, about the, the, the lesser investments, the bronze vehicles, the ones that, that, that the data now knows need to move quickly. I guess if I think about the appreciating market and the strong retail demand and limited supply, was the timeline for those cars longer because of those conditions in 2021 or was it kind of the same? They, these are distressed and they just they need to be priced as such. Well, it, it, while it's true that even those bronze vehicles may have appreciated, the fact that you started out with them on day one, uh, owning them for more money, a higher cost of market, the mm -hmm. fact that on day one, they had higher market day supply and less retail volume in the market, th they may have appreciated, but they appreciated much less than those vehicles that might be characterized as platinum or gold ones that have lower market day supply, higher retail volume. So, so again, you know, every vehicle may have, have appreciated, but, but some appreciated at a much greater pace than others. And if you really want to optimize the vehicle as an investment for the sake of its return, knowing which ones are which and applying the right pricing strategy to get some to move sooner rather than and later and others a little bit later rather than sooner is the way that these dealers who have found even better outcomes have achieved those. Gotcha. I appreciate the additional explanation. Your fifth takeaway, Dale, relates to the wholesale market that dealers should evaluate the possible wholesale opportunity with every vehicle they acquire. Tell us more about your perspective and thinking on this takeaway. Well, as dealers have come to realize the need to purchase vehicles, as we call it, off the street from consumers directly, mm -hmm. um, what we also have come to understand is that they often uh, give priority to the consumers that have vehicles that they perceive a real, for which they perceive 
a retail opportunity and short shrift those consumers who have vehicles to sell that they would consider to be wholesale vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, so what we've what we've come to learn from the most successful dealers is that that today, uh, especially today, in, in light of this very strong wholesale market, uh, there's a great opportunity for even these wholesale vehicles. Um, a dealer doesn't need to retail a vehicle today to likely have the opportunity to make money. So we could buy the car uh, a bit under the market from the consumer and we could take it to the wholesale market and and likely make money on it. So the wholesale vehicles uh, for some dealers have proven to be a new source of of great opportunity where a lot of other dealers, uh, when the consumer presents them with a car that they don't consider to be retail worthy, are not giving them the proper attention. So there's definitely a well of opportunity for dealers to be everybody excited about sourcing a vehicle for wholesale disposition as they are presently for retail. A, a related point on that, Dale, is I've, I've had conversations with dealers who, who share that, I, I, I guess you could call it a hotel uh, uh, concept where they, they take in a car um, and, it, and they consider it a retail unit, but at the same time, they post it in the wholesale market. So they're sort of playing both sides at the same time. Uh, what's your perspective on on that strategy? Well, I, I think that strategy has has proven uh, to be somewhat successful in this in this high value wholesale market because there are some vehicles at certain moments that actually have a higher wholesale value than a retail value. I mean, very odd, very unusual. And, yeah. and I might add, this is not going to persist forever. This is not the new normal. But but while the market has that uh, asymmetrical relationship between wholesale and retail, uh, those opportunities exist. Now, you know, is is that necessarily going to be a fruitful um, strategy going forward? Um, perhaps not. But at the moment, uh, that hotel opportunity certainly is real. And I guess I guess it also it, it just struck me as you were talking, Dale, that if I've got a car those markets and I'm truly trying to optimize outcomes, I've just doubled my workload to some degree. Well, yeah, you, you might have doubled your workload, but you also exploited uh, new opportunities. So, you know, yeah. with, with new opportunity often comes more work. But if the opportunity value is greater than the work effort, uh, mm-hmm. it, it weighs in favor of doing it. Now, let's uh, thank you, Dale. That I'm intrigued by all those takeaways and, and trust that uh, our listeners will find them useful. Perhaps uh, a second to last question here. Um, as we, as you look ahead to the next year, what aspects, dynamics of 2021 would you expect to remain in force as 2022 arrives? Well, I, I'm fairly optimistic about what 2022 uh, holds for dealers. I think that we are going to continue to be benefited by a lot of the same tailwinds that drove the success of, of 2021, uh, along with some of the challenges that we faced uh, in the year. But, but overall, I'm optimistic. I think that we will continue to have strong demand, although I don't think it's going to be quite as strong as we saw in 2021. 
because 2021 uh, came with a lot of government stimulus, which mm-hmm. likely won't be matched going forward. Um, so I, I, I think the demand uh, perhaps might be a bit less, but it will still be very strong. I think the wholesale supply in the market is going to continue uh, to be short uh, for, for all of 2022 and perhaps a year or two even beyond. Mm. And that's going to continue to drive high wholesale values. So there are going to be some challenges for dealers uh, getting vehicles and for what they have to pay for it. But so long as it's matched with a correspondingly strong uh, retail market, I think dealers will continue to do rather well in the, in the coming year. But there are also changes afoot, you know, many of which uh, we've talked about here, uh, you know, that dealers are going to need to up their game and adapt. They're going to need to find, as we've said, uh, new channels for sourcing vehicles. They're going to have to get good at it. Yeah. Um, dealers are going to have to uh, be even more sharpshooters in terms of pricing vehicles in both the wholesale and the retail market. Dealers are going to have to uh, become more digitally equipped in terms of putting numbers on vehicles uh, directly to consumers. Uh, and they're going to have to uh, also engage with consumers in ever greater digital environments. So, so there's a lot of change happening. But fortunately, I think the change uh, that we're challenged with will come in the context of, of very robust uh, demand and 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 good, really good opportunity. I have one other question, Dale. That's kind of 2022 focused, and and that is in the from my perch in the marketing department. There's an awful lot of focus on NADA uh, in Vegas in March, and I'm curious. Uh, from your perspective, what makes you the most excited about NADA upcoming in, in, in Vegas? Uh, and specifically, what new things perhaps will be brought to the convention? I'm always excited about NADA. Um, it, it's, it's an opportunity to see everything in the industry all in one place and always a lot of new things so it, it always excites me in general this this year's nada however for me is particularly exciting for a couple of reasons first it'll give us an opportunity that we missed last year uh, yeah. all to be together and it will be good to to see a lot of old faces and, and meet new ones but uh because there's been so much uh change and chaos in the industry over the past now going on two years result of the pandemic uh, change and chaos always breeds opportunity. And there are several areas of opportunity that, that we've recognized at Cox Automotive for which we've created solutions that we're going to bring to the market uh, at NADA this year. So two of them, two of mm-hmm. many, but the two that I've been most involved with, I'm really excited about. One is that we are going to introduce at NADA the industry's first and only ever acquisition system. As Mm. I said a few moments ago, recognizing that dealers need to source channels from multiple or source vehicles from multiple channels and their performance needs to be measured and managed for success in each of those channels. uh, We're going to introduce the first uh, acquisition system for dealers that's going to allow them for the very first time to establish, uh, um, uh, formalize uh, a number of different uh, sourcing channels and is mm-hmm. going to track and measure 
outperform its success of acquiring the vehicles and retailing the vehicles from those channels such that they can create uh, better outcomes. So introducing the first industry acquisition system, multi-channel acquisition system, I'm very excited about. And then mm -hmm. equally, equally, uh, almost since the beginning of the pandemic, recognizing the upheaval in the wholesale market, um, it spurred me to write my latest book. And this book uh, is different from all the other books. All the previous books have been talking about um, uh, strategies for success in the retail market. This is the first book that uh, will have been written regarding the wholesale market. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot over the course of the past few years on the wholesale market and and two outcomes of those learnings. One will be the book that will be uh, released uh, at or about the time of NADA on the wholesale market. And it's going to reveal, I think, a lot of interesting insights and ones that challenge everything that we previously thought to be true about the wholesale market. But in the process of writing that book, uh, it also led to the creation of a very, very innovative wholesale solution that we're also going to be offering uh, at NADA. An opportunity for dealers to have a guaranteed, and I stress the word guaranteed profit sourcing and, and disposing of vehicles in the wholesale market. For the very first time, dealers can establish what I refer to in the book as a double barrel used car business, meaning mm. that not only are they gonna be set up in the business to make money retailing vehicles, but they're gonna be assured of the opportunity to make profit in the wholesale market using this new solution that we'll be introducing. So uh, these are two very, very exciting industry changing, paradigm changing solutions that have arisen out of the learnings from the past year and a half or so. And uh, I'm excited to, to bring them to market and show them at this year's NADA. I guess it's too bad that NADA is in March and not a little bit earlier. It's a long time to ride, <laughs> ride the wave. Well, I'm taking a little bit of comfort in the fact that, that a little later NADA this year is giving us a little more time to put the finishing touches on it. So I'm, uh, I'm excited, but I'm also appreciative it's given us a little bit more breathing room and uh but we'll be there and uh and you know looking forward to it indeed i will too dale as always it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you for joining us today and happy holidays to you and your family thanks lance uh same to you and to all of our listeners uh and take care and stay well indeed Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this edition of the V Auto Podcast. Happy holidays to you. And until next time, stay well.